0: Welcome to another episode of Piers Over Beers, your favorite digital and social evangelist podcast with your industry veteran hosts, Chris Detzel. This podcast starts now. Well, welcome to another Peers Over Beers, Elizabeth. I'm Chris Detzel and I'm Elizabeth Kinsey. Welcome back. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, well, thanks for coming. This is great. It's great. I always love having you. I mean, you're just so easygoing, kinda, you know, laid back. I love that attitude.
1: It's because you it's cause you're getting me on like Friday afternoons after yeah. I just went and did like a bunch of nice stuff for people. So I'm just yeah. filled with the joy and light of of
0: volunteer work. So
1: you you get that benefit, Chris.
0: Oh, wait, you know, tell me about that. You do a lot of volunteer work and stuff. So I'm I'm, in, I'm interested.
1: Yeah, um, I volunteer for my local Meals on Wheels organization. So it's SOSMOW.org. If anyone wants to go volunteer in the Bay Area or, you know, donate money to their cause. And so, you know, I just, I deliver meals on Friday morning to about 12 to 16 clients, depending on who's going to be home that day. And, drive around, drop off meals, you know, tell everyone to have a good weekend and then get to go, go about my day. So fascinating.
0: I love that. That's just so awesome that you would do that. Like, I I, I guess I'm just not like, I give back to like some specific communities, but not like that, you know? So, wow. I mean, you must love it. I guess
1: you keep doing it. I do love it. And I, am really, um, interested in kind of food justice as social justice. And Mm -hmm. when we think about who we're delivering meals to oftentimes, you know, it's, you know, they're over, over 60. So it's our older populations Mm -hmm. who are not as mobile oftentimes have, are disabled in some way. Um, and so, and are oftentimes living in areas where there are food deserts, so they don't have access to a grocery store, they don't have access to regular fresh produce, etc. And so Meals on Wheels really helps to bridge that gap. And so um, there's a couple of other really great groups in the Bay Area who are also doing similar things. But to me, it feels like, you know, if this is something that I care about, food justice. This is a really good way to make an immediate impact on that. Um, But I would never would have gotten involved. A friend of mine is a program director. And so does nutritional planning and stuff for this Oregon at the beginning of the pandemic, they lost a lot of volunteers because a lot of folks Mm. that are able to spend that time are older themselves. And so we're at high risk. Um, And I was like, well, flexible work life means that I should be able to take two hours on a Friday morning to go deliver people some food and Slack is wonderful enough to, you know, see that as a, as a, we are flexible and we do have kind of Fridays or certainly days that we are, we don't do meetings and stuff like that. So it all works out, but, uh, but yeah, cool. highly encourage anyone who wants to get involved, even if you want to go pack food in a kitchen or um go and, you know, do paperwork filing. There's all kinds of ways to get involved with local
0: organizations like that that are working on food justice. Food justice. I like that. I, I feel like this next conversation is just useless.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. We, we, people gotta kind of have jobs so that they can afford the you know to, no, to, to. to make those donations, so.
0: <laughs> uh, very good point. And kind of getting into what uh, community, you know, um, things I wanted to talk about today. And and as we kind of look at, you know, growing our community and things like that, I wanted to throw some hypothetical but non-hypothetical questions at you because, you know, this is what you're living in real life already. Um, And it's it's about building out a community team. Um, And so I wanted to just get your thoughts. Some of this will be building out your community team. And if we have a little bit more time, we might go into you know, how do you make them successful and that kind of stuff? So are you ready for my questions today?
1: I am ready. Bring them on. Excited to talk about this.
0: All right. Yeah. And I've already read her the questions and she knows what's going on to some degree within five minutes ago. So, you know, I think she's prepared. <laughs> as long as my short-term memory still exists. We're good. <laughs> exactly. All right. First question, Elizabeth, uh, what does a successful, you know what, I was reading the the wrong thing. This, so the role of a community department head, you know, uh, how do you how would you go about you know building out a team and what does that look like? So let's say you get a community and it's like, okay, you're gonna get a team, what would that look like?
1: Yeah, I think that this is a really interesting question because I think it kind of highlights when that happens in someone's career journey or in the maturity mm-hmm. of a community. Because usually when you get that first headcount for community, um, it's because You as the sole community manager and the sole community person, there's a lot of ideas that you have that you want to do, but there's just no capacity. There is a finite number of hours and people power in the day Mm -hmm. when you're talking about one person. And so a lot of times you're able to justify that first headcount because you're like, look how much more we could do if we had another person and or there's more work than, than I can do on my own and we could be more effective if we had additional folks. Um, and so I think that in that instance, what you're looking for in that first community hire, especially if you don't have a lot, like more headcount available, it's not like you get to say, okay, for yeah. our, for our community team, we are opening five positions <laughs> and these are the five glorious positions That's that will be going to happen. Yeah. But, yeah. So, so I, I have to, I have an answer to that also. Like oh. if you were in this utopia, what would you do? But mm. in the reality, it, you're typically hiring someone to take on either a new program or um, take the scope of work that you have away yep. so that you can focus on something else or so some other program probably think about strategy you yeah. know um so I think that in that in that case you're looking for someone who has a really varied background I think it's mm-hmm. got to be someone who can um work on operations they're gonna have to take what you were doing and what a lot of probably unless you've been really diligent about documenting what you do um mm-hmm. they're gonna have to mm-hmm take that over from you and they're going to have to learn how to do it. They're going to have to understand your process. And most of the time you want someone who's going to improve it. They're going to say, Hey, Mm -hmm. what you were doing, Jane is fantastic, but what if we just tweaked it a little bit? So you want someone that can do that, right. That can see those opportunities for improving operations. And, you know, that, that includes automation and how you get swag to people and how you're measuring data, you know, are all the systems connected. So having a little bit of experience there is, really, really helpful because they have to be able to come in and follow your footsteps and sometimes decipher what you may or may not have documented. Um, The second thing that you're looking for is someone who is really willing to learn and may, and is very adaptable. Um, Because I think when you are bringing on a single new community team member um, to, you know, as a, as your first additional person, you need someone who's going to be able to adapt to the changes because it's going to take a little while for you to figure out what's what really should belong to them, to bring them on board, yeah. to be able to get them to understand the product, to understand the existing community. And so they're going to have to be able to adapt. Um, and so finding someone who can can do that really well is, I think, a key thing. Um, And the other piece of it is someone that has a little bit of marketing prowess. I think that's a um, marketing is such a dirty word for so many people. And it makes (laughs) me sad because like good marketing is really amazing. And you discover things that you would not have discovered otherwise without really great marketing, crappy marketers who like sell your name to a billion different companies and don't protect your data and like push crap products. Sure. Let's be mad at them. But (laughs) when you, when you have a really, when you have an understanding of how people move through a sales cycle, how, and especially this is, I think, important in B2B communities, um, you know, you have to have someone that understands some of that underlying marketing requirements. They're going to need to push your program. And and, then by push, you don't mean like they're walking up to, you know, college students on the street, like, forcing them into to join your community um but you know to be able to talk about your program to be able to in- inspire people and to talk about your product and to understand your product so I think having a little bit of a marketing background is always really helpful in a community role um and then the last thing that I would say you're looking for in that person is someone who is has a good solid ability to say no because what ends up happening or what has been in sometimes in my experience and folks that I talk with, um, who are at the same level, you know, being eager to learn and, and saying yes to too many things is a really fine line to walk. And so you, it's really important that as you're like, just because you now have two people doesn't mean that you can do twice the amount of work. You can probably do 50% more work. (laughs) You're not, it's not, you know, and so like,
0: you're leading the person you're teaching the person you're doing a lot of things yourself too. Right. So there's actually a little bit more work for you to do, especially in the beginning, because I mean, six months ish, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it also depends on, is that person been in their role. Is this someone who's a little bit more junior where they've been maybe two, two to three years working Mm -hmm. in these types of roles, um, or working period, or is this someone that you're, you know, is like three to seven years. So they're a little bit more advanced and have a little bit more experience under their belt. That's also going to determine how much coaching you're going to have to do, how much sort of translation of, different, different things that you're going to have to do. How familiar are they with the industry? Like all of those factors are going to play into how much you're going to need to do to make them successful.
0: It's kind of like, you know, when you first start a job, you know, you might know what to do as a community leader, but you don't know the product, you don't know the people, you know, so you've got to start moving fast, you know, and, and, and I, I love those. And, and, you know, that's a lot of stuff for one person. Yeah. So
1: <laughs> well, I mean, think about everything that you're doing right now. Yeah. You know, you you're, I mean, or any, you know, single or person at it on a community team, you're ten, you tend to be doing all of those things already. So you're looking for someone who has the capacity to do that. Now I'll tell you what in my utopia, if there, mm. if it was just like yes. you have all the headcount you want for a, you know, we're launching a community and this is what you need. So one first and foremost, operations. Yes. You, like that is... Can I
0: stop uh, you real quick? Yes. Nicole said the same thing. Like, I, I don't know when we did this peers over beers. Like, I don't know. But she's like, she's operations a smart lady. is so important. She goes, she, it's hard because that's the first one I wanted to hire. But sometimes you just need a community manager to do the community manager yes. role. So yeah. there was a little bit of a, you know, when she thinks of operations, I think she thought more of kind of the data, the analytics and getting all that stuff together because yeah. it's super important. She goes... So it's a toss between a community manager or an operations manager or, you know, something like that.
1: Yeah, it's, I think that there's, I think you can find in program managers, I think you can Mm -hmm. find a good mix of that operations and day-to-day community management. Um, I think a program manager is really good at kind of balancing both those things, but absolutely Nicole is spot on. Like it's, it's the data, it's the systems, it's measurement, it's the processes, it's being able, it's someone who has their specialty is the, is that they can spot how to make things more efficient at the same time that Mm -hmm. they are. Connecting the story, like I find, I find operations folks are like the unsung storytellers in many ways because they are working on the backbone of your program, right? Like if you're if you're in a user group capacity, for instance, and they can't host events because they have trouble logging into your platform because you Ooh. haven't done a good job documenting the process, um, then you're not going to have events as often, which means you're not going to be doing, you're not going to be accomplishing any of those other goals. Right. So like, I think an operations person is key. And then you can't justify the business reason. You're not designing programs that are connecting to end results or outcomes and objectives. So operations, absolutely. I think community marketing is another one that um, it's a role that's important because you need folks that understand customer journeys that understand, um, what motivates, especially your kind of, and depending on where your community sits, if you're pre-sales or post-sales, like, Hmm. is this a, is your community built around lead gen? You absolutely need someone on uh, who is a marketer then, um, who, you you gotta think about what that
0: community is too. Is it a support community or is it, you know, kind of this, you know, industry specific. It's industry Absolutely. specific. Then fair enough. You can do some of that marketing stuff. Support. Yeah. You can, and eventually people might come in, but it's it's a lot less of those lead things, right? It is. It is.
1: But but at the same time, that marketer, if you are on the support side, how are you managing SEO of your community? How are people mm. discovering you and finding you? What's driving yeah. awareness yeah. and growth of your community? The the community marketing yeah, manager. Good point. Is really critical to those things, especially when you're early on in a community. Like, um, I think that like the the they can work on a lot of things with cross functional partners and act as a liaison with marketing. For instance, like say that you have a I keep going to events because I have events on the brain. Um, but say no that you're, you have a user group program where yep. people are hosting events about your product. Mm-hmm. Your user group leaders do not have the database of users. You do. So who is promoting that? Who's going to be more successful in promoting to the right audience? Your user group leader, who is probably putting it on their LinkedIn network, which is great. Sharing it on social, which is great. Or you, the company that has the database of your product users. Mm -hmm. It's you. Like you need to be supporting that. So I think that that can be something that a marketing, a community marketer can really help support is the success of the programs that you run is so dependent on the awareness of those programs. And in communities, so many people are volunteers, whether that's a support community where people are answering questions in a forum or a user group community where they're hosting events, like those people don't have access to the same Audience that you mm. do, and so that's why I think community marketer is important. And I think you need two community managers, or, you know, or depending on how many programs you have and what those programs are, you're going to need some a couple of folks that are day to day working with people, answering questions, you know, yeah. communicating information, et cetera. And then I think the last thing that is really important is an engineer because all of these systems or a developer, all of these systems. Are how do you how do you connect the data? How do you build something? And like depending on you know if you're in a forum, a lot of them have proprietary stuff where you need to do design, you need to do all this engineering work, um, and it's hard to find those resources. Let's, let's put
0: it in real. I'll put some of that in real life because yeah. I completely agree with you. So when you start thinking about the platform of community, so I use HireLogic, some people use Kuro, some people use Vanilla Forum, some people use whatever, right? Salesforce, it doesn't matter. So there's all, you know, at the very beginning, they're not, it's not connected to any business system. So when you think of how do you, when you you want data around, um, you know, for example, like the things that I get today is, and I have to do it manually is um, uh, customer success, or when you think of current accounts that, you know, RELTO owns versus non-accounts versus partner accounts, how what's the percentage of accounts that have, or that have been put that are in community today versus not? So I could say X number of percent of these accounts and link them to directly to the CSMs say, you know, these are the ones already in community today and mm-hmm. these are not. And this is the ones we have to go after. As a matter of fact, I have five in this account, 10 in this account, 20 in this, you know what I mean? Like yeah. And so when you start presenting information like that, you know, and and also – not to get off, but, you know, to me, that's a, a business kind of need is, you know, for the CSM organization. It's like, Hey, these people are asking questions. These people are engaged. These are the accounts you have, you know, but you need somebody to tie that data together, right? Like I have an Excel spreadsheet or I use Excel and I, you know, do an export of all this data and have to kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. And the other piece is when you look at Tableau, for example, or Microsoft BI, for example, how do you push that data that's already into the community into like a dashboard, like like Tableau, mm-hmm. instead of having to do Excel? And then how do you automate all that information that I just spoke about? And so having an engineer, or you know, we call it like a, uh, you know, like a something stack. I forget, you know, in the marketing teams, they, this person a full owns stack all it developer. Yeah, yeah and this guy isn't a, a full developer, right? You know, but yeah. he, he knows he's, he's pretty technical. You can do some things, you know, if you have to maybe, but I don't have that today, you know? And, yeah. and so it's frustrating because, you know, the data that I get is just, I would say 90% accurate because, you know, it's me doing this shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I totally, so. totally agree. And I think that that is
1: like, it's, it's connecting those systems and it's also being able to build new things in your community. I mean, I know, yes. you know, for, a lot of platforms, to actually, like, if you want to roll out a new version or a new feature, like yeah. that takes development work. And a lot of times you work with the company and they send you over a specialist, but yeah, that's right. how much you end up paying in contracting services if you just had someone who is in like ha- Again, again, this is the utopia, obviously. Yeah. I don't have this person either, or I, I definitely have someone who helps us with our systems, but it's only a very small part of yeah. his job. And so it doesn't always get the prioritization
0: because there's so
1: many competing priorities. So yeah, I think that,
0: I mean, it's like, if I want to, so I'm building out this rewards and recognition program and it's not hard per se, but you know, there's some slight development JavaScript and some other things that that have to go in there. And I just honestly don't have time for it. And so I had to hire kind of a consultant to kind of think about that, program, right? You know, and then have to have somebody develop it, you know, and push it in and automate it to some degree and build the the badges and what does that look yep. like, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, you know, and not that you know that's just table stakes, right? You know, I should have probably done that back in, you know, uh April of last year, but I didn't. And so that's what I'm doing now. But still, you know, it's just those little things that you know you put on their roadmap, boom, boom, boom. So yeah. this has been really good. I want to kind of move on to some yeah. of the next questions because I think um you know this is helpful to me you know because it's like okay how do I think about this And you know I own a lot of different things like executive council and the community I'm thinking about some thought leader community-led growth thought leader podcasting stuff so in a way I'm in over my head but you know <laughs> <so, laughs> are we all <laughs> but if you don't think about these things and you don't push the organization you'll never get it um True. so when you when you hire these people let's say you hire you know uh I don't know. You can give me one or two examples, but um, let's say an operations person one, and then two. It's, it's a community manager and three marketing or whatever. How do you goal them and 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 how do you kind of look at how they're doing throughout the year? What would you what would you say? You know, what are some of the things they have to go do, and how do you you know track that? And-
1: yeah, I think that that's totally fair. Um, so I think. I don't have anything specific for any of those roles. I think a lot of it is dependent on your program and your company goals. So how are the things that they are going to be working on roll up to the overall OKRs that you have to measure Mm -hmm. community? So what is their piece that's going to impact that? And so we Mm -hmm. at at Slack, we're using them. And at Salesforce, we use the V2 Moms. So it's really easy to sort of take these Legos and say, okay, the seven things that you are going to work on this year, and here's how we're going to measure them roll up into this larger goal of empowering Mm -hmm. customers or whatever it might be. That's not one of them, but let's just say hypothetically it is. Um, And we're measuring that through community growth. And so what is the thing that's, that's how I I look at it is like, what are the pieces of your job or the things that you're going to be doing um, that impact those Bigger goals, so then then we can break it down to smaller goals for that person. Um, So I think that that's that's kind of how I approach it. Um, I think in terms of evaluating it or um, taking a look back and seeing, you know, how how is how are you performing against these goals? I think that there's regular feedback is a really like key part of it. Um, I think you can't wait until it's like, oh, it's been six months now you're gonna get feedback. Like you should be trying to deliver feedback. As much as possible. Um, and I'm even considering um, like setting up like a monthly just feed bi directional feedback session with folks that report to me just to so that it's never a surprise. So if you do that, then yes. you ultimately. Somebody told me that
0: once. A leader was like, Yeah. You should never be surprised about how you're doing or how you're not doing, it. you know? Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. So I think checking in regularly for feedback, you know, not always using your one-on-ones just as a status report. I think a lot of times that happens, Um, but really using it as like, how are you doing? What can we, what, what are you looking for? Having career conversations. So one of the things that I do, um, with folks that report to me is really like, what are, what are your goals? Like, how can we put together a plan that's going to help you reach your professional goals while we're, you know, you're doing your job very well. And like those two things should go hand in hand. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so having a lot of conversations, I think is really important in measuring whether or not they're successful and it's, and it's setting those things down and saying, okay, if you are, you want more responsibility, take it as an example. Like you you feel like you're ready for taking on more responsibility. Hmm. Let's figure out what you can take on. And then how will we measure whether or not you are successful with that over the whatever time period, the next six months. Um and so it's just I think it's being specific and like taking it um, you know, as much feedback as possible, as often as possible. Um, and then a lot of really good communication around what are the goals that we can work towards and help you develop professionally, and then I think the last thing is like, it's you when you're thinking about like success, right? Some of it is on you, and some of it is on them, and so being really clear that like you are not a mind reader. If you have, if if you're a direct report has goals and they are there are things that they want to achieve they need to be able to also communicate that with you and it's your job as a leader to make space for that and to make people feel like they can you know tell you what they're looking for out of yeah. their out of their career and what their professional goals are um but you sometimes need to remind folks that like it's okay to talk to me about like you do have to kind of push folks sometimes to yeah. to think about what they want because if they're not participating, there's nothing in the world that you can do to help them be successful if, they're, if there's not participation on their end.
0: This is awesome insights. It's really good. I mean, I don't really have anything to add to that because I don't manage people at the minute. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if you think about, when I if I think about myself, you know, I think most people would say, look, or leaders would say, you've got to know where you want to go. I can help guide you. I can help, you know, understand some of your strengths and things like that because not all of us think about it like i'm sure some of the people you uh you manage or you know have managed in the past or whatever don't necessarily know they want to move up and they think oh well i've been here for three years i should move up well maybe maybe not you know like what what was it that you're trying to to do and maybe there's a senior community manager or something like that available but you know then you got to think about what what um what that means right like what's additional for the senior person that they can take on or whatever. But yeah, I think you're right. I I think that's an interesting thought around pushing or people need to know what they want to do, or at least have some ideas or have some willpower to do something you know some thoughts yeah
1: and I think it's a two-way conversation like you need to create those opportunities and you need to have a plan for how to accelerate people but they Mm. also need to communicate with you on how on what what it is they want and I I would be remiss not to point out that like all of my brilliant ideas are basically stolen from um, Erica Cool and Holly Firestone and a lot of the work that they did um, both at Atlassian and and at Salesforce on building teens out and I think that there's they both have Have a couple of different blogs on um, kind of how you think about teams and building out community teams that are really useful um, that I revisit all the time when I'm thinking about like, okay, what's the next stage of our team look like?
0: It's amazing how those two have had such an impact on uh, the community world. I mean, I hear it constantly and and I, I don't disagree with that. I just think it's pretty amazing. Those are the two names, the women that really have made a huge impact Within community, you know, absolutely, community yeah. world, right? So,
1: and I, and I yeah, I mean, I can, I am part of the fan girl club for for both Holly and Erica and a number of <laughs> other community professionals. But um, I, I think that, that it, they are they have made a huge impact on on this absolutely. industry. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, it's it's funny because I think I talked to Nicole about this and just to get off the subject a little bit. Is it feels like, and, and maybe it's less and less, but it feels like. Um, or I I think there's way or a big percentage more women in community management than there is men in general but it, it feels like for the last several or few years yes there's been a lot of women stepping up but when I look at podcasts like myself or other podcasts like Brian and Erica are doing a podcast but then I don't know it, it feels like there's a lot more men doing these things you know what I mean and, and so uh, and I'll be honest like I want whenever I, I told my wife this because you know she's a huge women's kind of rights advocate, you know, and everything else. And I was like, you know what, how do I kind of make a difference if there is any difference? You know, I don't know, but it's, it's I truly have went out and tried to get people like you on my podcast, you know, because the last thing I want you to think is, Hey, who's this Chris? That's a weird guy. You know, I, I don't think I'd have that anymore, <laughs> but I do. I want, because there's there's more of women in, in this and than, than men and so th- there's got to be a reason why. And, and so let's, let's talk to the women that are doing some really cool things. You know,
1: I, I um, absolutely agree. And I, you know, we could unpack the patriarchy, but I don't think we have enough time enough. today. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I, think, I mean, I think it's, it's, you know, the recognition is good. I think recognizing yep. that, Hey, although women are more prevalent in this industry, men take up a lot more space. I think yeah. that that's a, just recognizing that is a really good first step in thinking about how do we fix it, mm-hmm. um, and why does that happen? I think there's a lot of historical and institutional reasons for why
0: yeah, men may
1: or may not be you know rewarded or funded or or have more leisure time you know, to be able to, to pursue things like this. There's a lot of stuff we could talk about, but that's not what we're here no. to talk about today. Um, clearly <laughs> I, I like have it. opinions, maybe in the future, maybe a future podcast.
0: <laughs> so a future podcast could be, and I talked to Alison Boudreaux uh, about this and she's the Calix, uh, uh she, she runs community and she runs uh, Academy. And I thought about having you, her and uh, Nicole on and maybe another woman or two, you know, just as kind of a panel and maybe I just kind of duck out, you know, and then you'll have, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I do. I do. So, but it'd be a great peers over beers. And and I keep talking about it. I just schedules are just, it's hard to get people.
1: Schedules scheduled. are hard. Schedules Especially are like rough.
0: More than one person. It's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's my only, no. that's my only issue. But maybe that's, we'll have that's something why we're not.
1: That's not why we're all not doing the podcast. We're all, our biz, Our schedules are just so busy that we just
0: don't have time to make for <laughs> Friday <laughs> we're seems, like, yeah. we can come <laughs> on
1: for Chris's show, but that's it. That's all the time we got.
0: Fr- Friday seemed like, okay, you know, so I might, I might push for that if you're open. Yeah. Um, so I have really one last, maybe two, but uh, last question. And and I think that how we tie this back into, you know, uh, if you were to hire a team, what would that look like? And how do you kind of look at goals? But, and then at the end of the day, how do you like measure the success of your community with all those people, like when you look back and you think, okay, we've had some success here, there, there, whatever. And then as a team, you know, how do you kind of look at it? You know, when, how do you measure it or yeah. How do you measure success of a community? I mean, that's a big one.
1: <laughs> yeah, that is a big one. So, and you mean kind of in relationship to being into growing your team, like what, what did the growth of the team have an impact on the success of the community?
0: Yeah. I, or think just there's, probably, I think I like the general, uh, because you know, it's, it's the entire success. So at the end of the year, when you have this team, you know, how are you going to say this was successful? And then how do you measure that? You know? Yeah. I mean, again, I think it's about what
1: were the goals that you set out. So, um, for, and, and what were you aiming to measure? Like, what yeah. were you aiming for? Did you achieve those goals is number one. So like, Fair we'll use community growth as a metric that a lot of people use just for kind of sure. health. Um, so if you hadn't added those team members on, what would you have grown? Mm. Probably less. Um, but since you did, did you did you budget that number to account for, we're gonna have more people power behind this, we're gonna have more resources, maybe more budget. Um, did you achieve that number that you set out to achieve? I think another thing to look at, especially as your team grows, is if there is a year over year statistic that you are consistently measuring your community on. And I think growth is an easy one to do.
0: Yeah.
1: Are there points where it accelerates? Do you grow, you know, and this this takes time obviously to be able to measure that success year over year and say, hey, we were able to last year we grew 15%. This year we added team members and we grew 25%. Yeah. Um I think that there's always a lot of correlation that happens. I don't think that, um, you can do a lot of like causal linking of Mm -hmm. things. I think there are things that you can measure that, you know, certainly the programs that you run or the the decisions and tactics you take, those are causal and you can measure those very implicitly in a quantitative way. But, um, it's, it's really about like, what are you measuring and did you achieve it? And I think yeah. that that goes individual to every different community. And it's like, what is the purpose of your community? Is it product feedback? Is it support? Is it brand awareness? Is it um, mm. advocacy? Is, you know, and did you reach the baselines or the goals that you set for yourself within those? So I think it varies. It's not an easy it's it's, it's a good big answer. answer.
0: No, it is a big answer. And you know, the real answer is it depends. <laughs> Just- <laughs> But you gave a good one. Like, you know, uh it's a it's a it's a hard question to answer. And I like how you said it one, it depends on why you have the community, what's kind of what's your mission, what are you trying to accomplish. And then from there you can kind of break it down to say, you know, if it was support deflection, which you know, people think that support deflection is like, oh that's that's a shitty community. I'm like, you know, that's a huge you think of cost savings of a support organization. um, Yeah. You know, when you say, well. How much does it cost to, you know, go from uh, one case, you know, open a case to closing a case? How long does it take you? You know, you can say, well, it costs me costs $200 per case open to close and it takes 13 days to uh, to answer a question. Well, did you know on community that it takes less than 48 hours, sometimes 24 hours to answer a question? That should have beat that 13 days. So let's yeah. think that. you know what I mean? Like stuff. Also like that, think so. about
1: like the cost of 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 your like I think about how um we recently implemented a, a feature where folks could actually delete some stuff on their own that before they would have to write into our customer experience mm-hmm. team and ask them to delete it and some data privacy stuff. And oh. um just the sheer amount of time that is saved now, but that because People have the ability to do that is phenomenal. But when you think about that particular thing, may never have been surfaced or that pain point may never have been surfaced because of community. So there's the cost savings there of like, hey, you're able to improve your product and increase longevity of your customer. So there's like the indirect cost savings. But then when, like, what you're talking about with support costs, you're also freeing up your team to work really, on harder yeah. problems. Yeah. Like, if your support team is having to answer the same excuse my language, but like basic bullshit question over and over and over again. And you have this enterprise customer who has this very complicated, hairy problem. Like you're wasting
0: money on this thing that community could help support. And you're frustrating people because people don't want to open a case, wait. And then if your guys forget, gals forget to, you know, answer or, you know, reply back or whatever, then they're frustrated. So, you know. there's a lot of really good stuff. I mean, curation and stuff, you know, by the way, you never talked about having a content person, you know, uh, for, for community, which I'm, I'm a little uh, surprised. I mean,
1: yeah, I, I think that I lump content and marketing in in the same bucket. Oh,
0: okay. All right. Got it. Okay.
1: Um, In in my, in my brain at least, but I think that that if you have the ability to break that out and have someone who's specifically focused on content,
0: sweet. Yeah. Just so when I think of content, like one of the big things that I love to do, and I don't know why I love this to do this too, so much, but is content creation content, kind of getting that uh, uh, flywheel going. So like, you know, I, I use our uh, weekly webinars cause they're so in depth. They're so really good that, you know, I'll get, you know, 70, 80 people on these, these shows, I call them community shows. And I create a bunch of content. Like I capture the Q and a that comes from, I get like, the other day I got 30 questions on a one hour show, literally I couldn't get them all. So I had to give them back to the experts. Like, could you answer like these 10, you know, and then yeah. I push them out to the community. Right. Boom, boom, boom. So I'm getting content from our customers, you know, from Q and A, I'm creating a blog or two per episode, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm getting video, I'm getting them access to engagement, you know, but this content piece is video, blog. Q and a quick hit video, you know, there's a lot of really good stuff around that, that you can really, and and then the other piece to that is kind of the SEO strategy. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, when you think of anyways, I get off a little bit, but I think there's a lot to do in that content. And if you're creating relevant content all day, every day for those people to help solve them problems using the product or, you know, and maybe, you know, depending on your community um, you know, if it's high-level stuff, like you said, kind of this peer-to-peer networking or, you know, uh, custom brand awareness, whatever, you can do kind of these thought leader type stuff, content, you know, mm-hmm. even on some of these shows. So,
1: yeah. I think passion. the content, the content piece is interesting. And I think it also depends on like, what does, what is the purpose of your marketing team overall? Because like for yeah. us, we have a content team.
0: Yeah.
1: They produce amazing stuff. They talk to a lot of customers. They work on, you know, the some of the stuff that they have is we couldn't do it better. Yeah. And so then it's is it our job as and I, that's where I think I you know kind of community marketing, like being that liaison between that team yeah. and and the community of like, how do I help to bring all of the stuff that my marketing team or my brand team is creating around this stuff, or my devrel team or any of this? Like hmm. it's almost like you end up being the conduit. And then I think there's communities where the community manager is is really creating that type of content. Yeah. Um, so it, it kind of, I think for me, in the, where we are, it's like, we yep. have so much great content and there yep. are so many people that are already Trying working on out. it. Who can I get to like, be that conduit to get that into the community, to inject it directly into their little slack veins.
0: I like that. You know, we're, we're a lot smaller company. And so we're, we're creating content, but you know, our marketing team really focuses in top of the funnel. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm really kind of thinking about, you know, adoption, upsell, cross sell, you know, new, um, features things mm-hmm. like that and bringing that out to to the market to our community so that they know and oh i didn't know about that you know let's go deep let's figure out how to use it's, it's a complex you know slack although i'm sure there's some complexities for sure to it on integrations and things our thing is super complex right? Oh, yeah. Like it's just ridiculous yeah. but um but anyway this is good this, this yeah. was, really appreciate your time absolutely always a pleasure well, thanks, uh, everyone, for coming uh, and, and listening to another Peers Over Beers. I'm Chris Detzel, and I'm Elizabeth Kinsey. Thanks, Elizabeth.